Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Welcome to this episode of the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Walden and with me today is JC, who's based in Hong Kong, where he is the Asia editor of Spirito Divino. Welcome, JC. Thank you for having me. So just tell us what Spirito Divino is as a magazine. It's a consumer-focused magazine. In fact, our editor-in-chief in Milan is a, a great lover of emotion. And so for him, the magazine is very important that we focus on culture, we focus on beauty, the culture and the beauty of wine, and we believe that if we do our job well, we will generate emotions that other magazines don't because they focus too much on the technical part of wine and they focus too much on soil and things that are not really relevant to consumers. And so for us, it's very much about culture, traditions, and the beauty, the beauty of the landscape and the beauty of the feelings that wines uh, make us feel. So is it a very photographically-led magazine? or? Yes, in fact, you're right. Uh, very intuitive. The, the pictures are, for us are very, very important. And when we do a story, we send photographers, top-rated photographers, to capture the essence of the environment as best as we can. And uh, we want our audience to open the magazine and say, wow, I wish I was there. When my friends tell me, I read the magazine and I saw this picture and it was beautiful, we have met our objective, absolutely. What kind of pictures are you looking specifically of Italy? Italy is very much known for its polycultural farming, so vineyards with olives and grain and animals. Does that help get those super nice pictures? Of course. You know, if I say the word Toscany, what do people think of? They think of driving in a car with uh, possibly the roof pulled down and they, they feel the wind in their hair and they, they see the cypress and they see the rolling hills and they smell the air and they see some vineyards on one side and they see some trees on the other. This is what we want to capture. The dream that people have of Toscany, the dream that people have of Italy. And I think this is very, very important and perhaps the most valuable asset Italy has over perhaps any other one region. The diversity of their regions is incredible, and therefore you have different landscapes everywhere you go, from north to south, east to west. It's, it's fantastic. Surely Italy should be like a world-beating exporter for its wine. You have some strong views on why it isn't such a world-beating. In fact, because I'm based in Hong Kong and many people ask me, why is it that France is so strong? As I say France, you, you can hear my French accent. I'm from Canada, by the way. It's very different. Huh? Why French uh, are so strong? My view is that the French are very, very clever at creating a sense of pomp in circumstance. They are very, very good at creating prestige around their products, especially wine. So much so that, as you know, I'm sure, in Champagne, they have L'Ordre des Coteaux de Champagne, which is a group of uh, Champagne lovers, and you can only join if you are invited. And this is a very prestigious group. And then you have in Bordeaux, La Commanderie du Bon Temps. All of these organizations, they are prestigious. And so the French leverage this prestige to the maximum. And I think that the Italians, what they forgot is that in Asia, in China in particular, people drink wine not because they love wine. People drink wine because it's a tool for business. And so the best tool for business is the most prestigious tool you can use. So if I'm going to treat you for dinner, for example, what am I going to do? I'm going to serve you the best. And the French have convinced the Chinese that they are the best. So until the Italians are able to chip into that reputation, they will not make very much success in China, absolutely. But Italy does have its iconic wines and wine producers. You think of uh, Beyond Santi, for example. Why are more producers not, or Sassicaia, iconic wine from, from Tuscany? 
Absolutely, maybe beyond beyond uh, Santi, Gaia. Not so much. Gaia is making very good inroads. I think Sasikaya also. But why Sasikaya, Maseto, Ornelaya, and even Solaya are doing so well in China, better than anyone else, because they are traded sur la place de Bordeaux. They are considered fine wine. They are considered investment grade wine collectibles. And so these wines, for a Chinese point of view, they are in the same league as the Bordelais. And so they will see these as a sign of prestige and a sign of, uh, yeah, of prestige and reputation. I always say that in China, if you don't have Gambero Rosso Tribichieri, which is a at famous, least in Hong Kong. Gambero Rosso is a famous wine magazine um, which sets the kind of almost market price for some wines due to its ratings. If you don't have a Tribichieri from Gambero Rosso, it's very difficult to sell in, in Hong Kong at least and in China also because there's no reference point at this moment for wine in China and so prestige in my opinion is the number one reference point that people are using for their consumption now I'm sure that you have in your mind why is it Chile so strong why is Australia today second largest seller of wine in China because they are riding a wave I call this the second wave the first wave was these prestigious wines now we have the second wave where some consumers in the upper middle class are starting to consume wine at home but they want something easy to drink accessible understandable and so they already know that Cabernet Sauvignon is used to make these famous wines and they know that in Australia Cabernet Sauvignon is also available they taste it it's good it's juicy it's fruity let's buy it the Italians don't have such simplicity at this moment they don't have such accessibility at this moment so there is no way they can surf that wave but I predict that in 2020 2022 there will be a third wave and that third wave will be those people who are now fed up with this Cabernet Sauvignon from Australia, they will start to be a bit more demanding of what they're looking for. And then they will start to dig much deeper into the Italian market. But they will remain pragmatic. When I say pragmatic is they will care very much about the prestige of the wine that they are going to buy. So you're not saying that, I mean, you say getting bored of these Cabernet Sauvignons, like, you know, if it's a Chilean Cabernet or an Australian Cabernet or a Californian Cabernet, the cliche view is that, oh, they all taste the same. Italian wine isn't like that's much more complicated. Yeah, yeah, but yes. In, in, in fact, in, when I say prestige, there's the prestige of the brand, but also prestige of uh, having traveled abroad, prestige of having learned something that somebody else has not learned. And so as the Chinese start to travel more and more to Italy, they will also discover more things. So that landscape we were talking about, Tuscany, they will come back home and they will speak about the landscape and they will say, by the way, here's a beautiful wine I found. Maybe it's made by you. Huh? And they will now demonstrate their special knowledge but until that happens it will take some time now Cabernet Sauvignon from Australia some of them are fantastic eh? very beautiful very balanced and wonderful but they are unidimensional across the board so in Italy here from north to south east to west as I said earlier not only the landscape is fantastic just the number of grape varieties humongous and so therefore we have so much diversity to experience but how are you going to get how are you going to simplify the Italian off all these various unknown sometimes grape varieties which do make fantastic wine. How are you going to make it simpler for, for Chinese consumers or Hong Kong consumers whilst also convincing them that these are really prestigious wines, that, an, that a, an Alianico, for example, or a Primitivo from southern Italy is actually just as good as a top wine from Bordeaux or, or even a Champagne? I don't think... Um, this is a good question and uh, I understand where it's going. My opinion is that there is no need to simplify Italian wines. What we need to do is we need to work... So if I'm a producer of Verdicchio, for example, the Castellier, the they asked me before, how can I be successful in China? I say to them, don't try. 
Just try to be the most successful Verdicchio producer in America, in Canada, in Sweden, in Belgium. Once you are very successful in those places, when the third wave of consumers come to be interested in those particular wines, then they will look for you because you're the most successful producer of Verdicchio. So same thing for the wines in Puglia, in Sardinia, in Sicilia. If you become the most successful producer of these grapes, eventually Chinese will look for you. But if you're not famous already in your own region, you cannot expect to be famous in China very soon. In fact, it will take forever. It's almost impossible. But surely things like Nebbiolo, you know, the great wines of uh, Piemonte, like Barolo and Barbaresco, they are world famous. Presumably going to be easier for them to, to get that recognition than it is for, say, somebody making a, an obscure grape in the middle of the s- southern Italy that nobody's ever heard of with tiny production volumes. Yes, and these Nebbiolos that are very famous, they are now being sold already, or they will be increasingly sold to the first wave of consumers. Those consumers today who buy Lafitte, Latour and DRC and perhaps uh, other fancy producers like this, they are buying the Giacomo Conterno today. They're probably even buying your Biondisanti that you, you mentioned. But we are not interested in these people. What we are interested in is the mass. And the mass is not ready yet to drink wine because the mass still consider wine as a luxury item. You know, Monty, I have a company in China. I have four staff in China. And I pay them too much. And they are in the top 1% better paid in China. But these people cannot afford more than one bottle of wine per month. Because today they are more concerned about spending their money on what they need, not what they want. And this is a very different way of thinking. So if you're a Chinese today, you're concerned about the education of your child. You're concerned about maybe buying a new air conditioning system, maybe some clothing, put food on your table, make sure you have enough money in case of medical emergency. So these people are not thinking of buying what should I drink tonight with my meal. They don't care about wine. They care about what they need. But as the middle class will grow, 2020, 2020, then they will start caring more about what they want. This is when we need to be ready. And to be ready is we need to make sure that our wine is prestigious. And we need to make sure to do the good work today in America, in in Sweden, in Canada, where they are open to these wines and build this prestige and forget about making it more simple. I I think that um, going on the way of simplicity would be a disservice to Italy. The richness of Italy today is the diversity. We need to embrace it and celebrate it. You mentioned the importance of photography in a magazine, these these pictures in your magazine that just make people want to get on a plane. How are you going to convince Chinese people to, to see Italy as, a, as their number one destination, go-to place for their holiday? And if they do come, they're going to pick up more information about wine and, and understand that Italian wine is not all about the, the famous wines, but about the everyday wines. That's that, that really is what Italy is about, right? It's not about prestige wine. I love this question because I mentioned to you that Today, most Chinese are concerned about buying what they need, yet they are the largest consumer of luxury products in the world, 30% market share. It's incredible, this. Their middle class is underdeveloped, yet they are the largest buyer of of luxury. And where do they buy this luxury? 40% of them buy it in Europe. So they go to France, they come to Milan, and they come to Florence for shopping. So I think a producer would do very well to leverage all of these Chinese coming for shopping, for the fashion and luxury items to maybe speak to tour operators and maybe to 
to find a way to bring these people to their winery. Antinori is very well positioned for this. Their new winery, fantastic, beautiful winery, is not even half an hour from Florence. It's so easy for them to take busloads after busloads of Chinese, give them a tour in Chinese, give them a wine tasting with some food, introduce them to the culture of Italy, immerse them for the culture of Italy, then the Chinese will, will suddenly have a, a, an image. And they will not only see a beautiful landscape, but they will experience the wine in that landscape. For sure, they will go back home and tell the story to their friends, but they will not be more interested than half a day, maybe two hours at most. And at this moment, this is what we, we need to do. So we need to leverage these visitors and give them the Italian experience. Absolutely. So thanks, JC. I think your next job, when you finish with Spirito Divino editing yeah. that one, you'll be editing the Italian-Chinese travel magazine. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it would be fantastic. You know, the Chinese need 94 million trips in 2015. The McKinsey Company predict that within one or two years, they will make 100 million trips abroad. Most of them is for shopping. Imagine it's humongous the potential. Yeah, imagine all those bored husbands as well <laughs> standing around <laughs> with all that shopping. I didn't say that. Do you know, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> On that note, uh, we will leave it, JC. It's been great to see you. Great to talk Thank to you. you. Hope to see you in China sometime. For sure. Welcome to join us in, uh, in Hong Kong. Yeah. So uh, nice one. Good, okay. good interview. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Follow us at Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook. <laughs>